0: Hey there, everybody. It's Tina Conrad, AKA DJ Breast Cancer. I am here in the COVID edition with a very special guest. She's a longtime listener. Her name is Marion Barnick, and she is a registered kinesiologist say that uh, five times fast and then she's also a cancer movement therapist and she is just amazing she has over 25 years experience and she's here to teach us a lot of things about moving after cancer moving during cancer so i'm very excited to introduce um, you and all the listeners to marion hello Hello, Tina. Thank you. I'm glad it's a podcast. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I I prefer uh, audio and not all the video. I'm like, who wants to get their hair done and do all that stuff every day? So, except appreciate- it would be nice. It would be nice to see them. I guess I would say that.
1: I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> thank you for the kind words. It's lovely, and I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you. If you could explain, um, you know, to the listeners a little bit about you and who you are.
1: Absolutely. Um, I first do want to say thank you so much for the opportunity. I know that this podcast is such a mission for you and such a way to give back to your breast cancer community. So I am just overwhelmed that I get to be a part of it. So thank you for that, first and foremost. Um, Second, me, I am as you said, registered kinesiologist and cancer movement therapist. But I think first and foremost, I am a mom of an awesome 13 year old boy and single mom. So definitely has its um, ups and downs and uh, lots of excitement. And uh, we try to keep a pretty uh, exciting life and keep moving as would be part of my mandate for sure. (laughs) And it's sort of what got me into um, changing my career a little bit, as you know, as you said, I have 25 years experience and I've been a kinesiologist for that length of time, but moving forward into more of the therapy realm was really important because of my son, um, really wanting to show him about being of service and being in a community of give back. And just seeing, you know, a smile on my face when I would come home and, you know, asking about my clients and asking about the patients and having such amazing stories to tell him. It was really important for me to have a career choice that allowed me to show him that. And it uh, it's it's paid off well. And the other benefit is just the power of movement in his life and in mine, um, we have definitely had some family struggles with some emotional issues. And as I said, I'm a single mom. So the movement part has been not only bonding for him and I, but certainly a way to maybe address some of the the emotional things where you can get out and go for a walk. And you can, as as you do, go for a run.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and <clears throat> it's not just the physical health, it's the mental health as well. And that's where I think... Learning the power of movement through my life um, is just something I want to bring to other people. I had a very bizarre diagnosis when I was 40 and had to have a knee replacement. Um, I had five shoulder surgeries by the time I was 35 and rehabbed myself through those And um, I've got nerve and muscle problems from a car accident last year that I'm rehabbing through as well. So if you watch me on YouTube and I'm showing exercises to breast cancer survivors, you'll see me struggling with some of the moves too and pointing out what I'm working on. And uh, I think that struggle makes us resilient. And that's sort of where that bond came in, I think, was... um, breast cancer survivors is the resiliency i felt pretty resilient going through all my surgeries and and you know the family traumas and really looked to and I, I think i just bonded with other women who seemed to show that resilience and that fight and who's more of a fighter than a breast cancer survivor i mean it's 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 just the where i felt i really wanted to give back and that's where I met my first client Prudita and she had no knowledge about exercise. She had been diagnosed, had gone through dental mastectomy, gone through chemo, gone through radiation and she was ready to go back to work. She'd been off for two years and the insurance company had sent me out to um, check in, do a functional assessment. I mean, that's my area of expertise in doing these assessments and we met and we chatted and then I was taking a health history and we're talking about the treatment and she let me know about her treatment for cancer and I said okay that's been done for two years what else have you been doing what kind of rehab movement therapy physio OT she's like no no you don't understand I'm a a breast cancer survivor I didn't have that type of injury and I'm thinking oh let's reach in the cupboard and see how those shoulders are moving or let's get out of that chair and see how sore your low back is and let's look at your balance and she just thought this was part of being a survivor that there was nothing to do about it hmm. and i'm like oh no you you wait i got news for you we got some work <laughs> to do so that's where it started where i knew i could help her and the light bulb went off and i went to one of the large cancer clinics in toronto um sunnybrook hospital and said hey i've got a program and i need your help to get this out and That's how it started back in 2006, I think was when Sunnybrook approved my protocols to work with their cancer patients and uh, researching and moving forward ever since.
0: Oh, I love that. And I love how you talk about resilience. Actually we were kind of chatting about resilience before we hit record. And you know, in these COVID times, (laughs) you were saying like, we need resilience and it's actually teaching us how to be resilient and I, I will agree as a breast cancer survivor, sometimes you don't know all that your body can do or all that is safe to do. And um, I was looking on your website and you had four best choices of exercise through breast cancer. So I'd love to kind of hear what are the best choices. And I'll, I'll let you know if I participated in All four or some of the four? (laughs) Well,
1: there we go. Absolutely. Well, if we break them down and look at um, from the patient perspective and you talk about the initial diagnosis, there is that time frame. And depending on what that diagnosis is, time between treatment starting, which could be um, pre adjuvant treatment or you could have your surgery right away and then have adjuvant treatment after, there's that prehabilitation time or prehab, as we say where you're getting your body ready for what it's going to be going through. And for some patients, especially if you are younger, that may be easier on the body. But again, we're never in the shape we really want to be in. Um, We may be a little deconditioned or we have shoulder movement or certain things that just may not be where it's at. So we want to prehab and get our body ready for that fight through surgery, through chemo, and try to get as strong as it can. And research shows it is so amazing when that prehab is done prior to chemo, the amount of time for bounce back, uh, the amount of time um, that it takes to try and get some sense of normalcy with um, decreasing the symptoms from the nausea and the fatigue, um, the muscle loss and appetite issues, that getting your body in shape aerobically and strength wise beforehand definitely helps. So
0: that would be the first stage.
1: Did you do that?
0: I, well, I've never heard of the term prehab, but I love that. Like that's amazing. Obviously I've heard of rehab, which is kind of after the fact. So, um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I felt like I was walking. I probably could have done, you know, more with toning and weights and strength training. And I will say having gone through Live Strong program here um, locally at my YMCA, I learned so much about like strength training and just, you know, and, and again, it's not like you're lifting 50 pounds, like you're just, you know, you're toning and you're doing little by little, you know, and it and it's makes such a big difference. But all that, um, you know, weights and strength training, I definitely could have done more of. I still today can do more, more of that for sure.
1: We all can, absolutely. I think it's the focus and the change when, um, like, the women I've worked with and the women I've spoken with, when you get that diagnosis. And um, you'll certainly tell me if I'm wrong, but that sort of loss of control where you had a you know this image in your head of where everything was going. And I know you were a newlywed when you were diagnosed, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, you've got this plan and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I've got no control over my life. The exercise can really help with having something that you can control, something that you can do to help. And also a place for that uh, pent up anger, energy, emotion to come out as well. So there's a lot of Side benefits you know beside getting your body ready for for uh, treatment, so it can definitely have uh, um, be a good place to start if emotionally you are ready to go through and do some exercise prior to treatment so that would be that first place to start and obviously there's been a lot of research done on treatment with exercise during adjuvant therapy, so during chemotherapy during radiation. And it's a change in the type of exercise that really needs to be looked at here as opposed to what is sort of on the internet as the, you know, let's get 150 minutes a week and let's do our resistance training. The mindset and the focus of your exercise program during chemo should be on trying to stay where you're at and not ever trying to make gains. That is not the time when your body's in that fight to try and say, oh, I'm going to increase my walking, increase my running, increase my strength training. No, you are just trying to stay as close to where you are as you can and look to say when you can do it, you can. And it is more about that aerobics and doing the walking and getting the circulation through your body and trying to minimize the muscle loss that's going to happen as well. So that's what you're looking about, the change in the type of exercise you'd be doing during treatment. So that definitely needs to have a refocus. And of course, your body is going to tell you exactly what to do. And everyone is different. I've worked with patients through treatment that... Um, had minimal side effects and they were in my clinic and they were on the treadmill. And of course we're taking the precautions with everything from what their uh, numbers were from a cleanliness standpoint, from a heart rate standpoint to watch and make sure it's safe. And then other patients where, you know, you're two, three, four, five days post chemo before you're even up and sort of walking a little bit. So it's got to be variable and it's got to be, um, set specifically for each individual, but um, that's that's the goal in an overview of just trying to maintain as close to normalcy, but never trying to improve um, and push yourself during treatment.
0: Yeah. And I should probably preface this whole conversation with, if you have any questions, if you're a listener, you know, make sure that you are you know, talking with your, you know, your doctor, your oncologist, you know, just making sure that they're in the loop, you know, just in terms of all your exercise choices. For me, I know that, you know, yoga was amazing. And so and it was something that I had hated, actually. Whoa. I, I just found it dumb, you know, and I just like did not I was just all endorphins, you know, so I wanted to run. I wanted, you know, everything to be like fast and like, you know, high impact, I guess. And then I really slowed down during, like, you know, chemo, and it was like a polar vortex wind winter, and so it was really a way for me to kind of connect that whole mind body spirit, and I really looked at it through like a whole new lens, and for me it was really really amazing, um, and I still to this day like love it. It just I had to slow my mind down, and it took cancer mm-hmm. for me to kind of get there, but. I think yoga is an amazing thing to do you know during breast cancer in terms of exercise in terms of stretching um you know in in all like I had a double mastectomy, so it was really great too to just kind of ease in every you know every day and I was able to do it you know five to six times a week um, during my chemo treatments
1: that's amazing, good for you that is fantastic the stretching, as you said i think That's really the foundation of the yoga that we want to look at because there are so many different kinds of yoga and I do get calls on that and I get messages online, DMs that are saying, you know, someone suggested yoga, but, you know, what type? Or my doctor said yoga and I'm not really sure because there's, you know, uh, seven different classes that are being offered at the clinic down the street from them, let's say. So I do really want to encourage that you check out the type of yoga, that it mm-hmm. is a calming um, a mindful yoga, something that has long, slow stretching in it, because that truly is the, the basis of, of what's needed is, as you said, the mindfulness and the stretching and really getting in tune with your body. Because as you said, there's that racing of the mind there's needing the endorphins. It's wanting to just move forward and not even maybe sitting still for a moment because God forbid we sit still and actually think about what's going on. No, no, <laughs> we want the next step. So the, the mindfulness is really important. And I think when it's structured in a class, um, Tai Chi, yoga, um, a, you know, a calming, uh, gentle stretch and flow type of class, you have to sit still and it starts the process of knowing about your body and learning about your body. And that's what I find when clients may come to me a little later. Um, Let's say post-treatment, it could be three, five, ten years post-treatment where there's still issues with tightness or still aches and pains that have developed and they haven't really dealt with it it's not being mindful of the body and how it's moving. And so that is really important if you can get into that as soon as possible to actually understand what your own body is doing. Not trying to get it to be perfect because no one is, but really trying to know what your body is doing. And then you get to teach your body. You can say, you know what? I don't like when the shoulder's moving like that. I'm gonna work with you on teaching it. And that's where you slow it down and actually let your body talk back to you and tell you what it needs. And it is truly remarkable when you can be in that space. So I'm glad you went there and five or six times a week. That's amazing.
0: Well, Um, yeah, and I actually did a DVD because it was such a bad winter um, Mm. that I couldn't, you know, and obviously I was in the midst of chemo. They didn't really want me going to like a gym or to like classes. So I just had a gentle DVD yoga and I did it, you know, that DVD every day, every single day. But like, you know, now there's so many more options too with virtual things and classes online. But I will say like, I I still pop in that video every now and again, and it really just like fills my heart, you know, because It was just, it was such a safe space and like, you know, safe and kind of, I love how you're talking about your body and talking to your body because I did for a time feel betrayed, you know, I did feel betrayed by my body and it was the start of a relationship again with my body, you know, and having kind of this trust, you know, and starting to build it again. And, you know, it's kind of like, just like that, like a relationship and you have to work at it, you know, so it was It was really interesting, but yoga was kind of like that gateway to h- kind of help you know bridge me back.
1: That's amazing. and of course, as you said, you did that with the approval of either the your surgeon or your oncologist who was um, overseeing your treatment to make sure that it was safe for you to do those movements or if you had any restrictions. You made sure to keep up with those restrictions, right? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: Yes. And they told me like if anything hurts, that you're not doing it. You know, but they were they they were very much um, advocates for, for yoga. You know, like they didn't want me running, you know, doing some things, you know, at the time, but you know, they were very much advocates for yoga at the time.
1: Which is amazing. And I find um, as you said, there there's so many more opportunities now. And, you know, me being in the online space prior to COVID certainly was something that um, made that transition, um, not being in the clinic and just having more clientele online. That was absolutely fine. But of course, from the patient standpoint, we always want to make sure that whoever you're watching, whoever's, you know, videos you're doing or moves you're trying, uh, make sure you're safe, make sure that you have the consent. And if it hurts, that's when you stop. I always use a pain rating scale, Um, from one to 10, and I want everything under a five. Why? Because A, it's safe. It keeps you in alignment with your body to know that when it's talking to you and pushing more than a five, it's not going to get you to a better place when you're in that rehabilitative setting. If you are out running your half marathon in your marathon, and you can see that you know, that last mile and you think that, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it. Like you were saying on one of your podcasts, you were saying about, you know, you got six miles to go and you start talking to yourself. <laughs> and you, you do that. That's a different space when you're in rehab versus when you are competing. Yeah. And I work with a lot of athletes and that competition is different than the rehabilitation. So under a five is my rule for rehab. Because it leaves that openness there of that subjectivity, some of us have a high pain tolerance, some of us don't. So your five, maybe my eight, or vice versa. So you really want to make sure. And I always say, common sense. You know what? If something's feeling strange, something in your body, that you're saying, "Eh, that's not right. That pull's weird," or "My fingers are going numb when I'm trying that stretch." That's where you stop and you say, "Wow, it's not going to get me better." When my body is trying to tell me something, because that's the pain, the tightness, those aches, the, uh, the burning sensation, that's the body's way of communicating. So when we listen to that, it's clues, first of all, to keep us safe, and it's also clues of what's going on. So it's definitely something I think is important, especially, you know, when you're moving, let's say, post-surgery, post-chemo, and you're getting yourself back into that position of building back that strength that's where you need to listen to the body as well and making sure that it's a balanced program because that's where you really want to work on the benefits that come from exercise once you get your flexibility back and you have that range of motion back or at least to your maximal ability your best potential then you start working on increasing that aerobic capacity. You work on the endurance and the strength training, and you want to do it in a balanced fashion because now you're looking to rebuild and create. I I know there's uh, there's some that likes the new normal and some that hate that phrase. I always like to say your best potential, but (laughs) it it is different, Um, and patients will always say that, but you want to get back to the best you can. And that's where the post-treatment exercise really takes on that stage of um, pushing your body. And the push is as hard as you want to push. I mean, not everyone's going to be going out and doing 10Ks and, and half marathons. Some may be out to play tennis. Some may be golf. Some may want to walk around the block with their grandchildren. Um, It could be traveling again and actually feeling so empowered that you can carry your own purse and your own suitcase or lift your own groceries. It's always something different for everyone, but it's the power in doing that with your body. So I really look at, um, I call it foundations first framework is you're building up your mobility and then you're looking to stabilize your body and then you're looking at that strength. So I love to see it done in that fashion. And that is sometimes where I see things may get out of, out of whack a little bit when that flexibility and that mobility isn't there first. But in those stages, that's where we really want to go is building that strength after you've done that rehabilitative and working on the stretches so your body can be balanced when you're working out.
0: I love that. And- I'd love to switch gears just a little bit. This is such a topic that comes up, you know, with breast cancer survivors. And I know it's such an area of your expertise as well, but lymphedema, um, I'd love to know, you know, you had said you have some do's and don'ts. I'd love to know, you know, I have a lot of listeners out there, you know, various stages of lymphedema would love to know, you know, what your do's and don'ts are.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. It's, um, it's such a four letter word, it just puts the fear of God into so many patients with either that you will be diagnosed with it. And again, that the diagnosis is generally up to five years post treatment, Um, it generally will come on um, within that first year. But um, it's something that if you have it, you will always struggle with it. Unfortunately, it's not something that just disappears. So it's something that needs to be taken so seriously because of the ramifications and the side effects, yet uh, really we've gone to the other side of, um, of that fear within the health professions of saying, you know what, don't, 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 don't do anything. And it's, I, I look at it, if I can give sort of a metaphorically, back in the day when people would have back surgeries or back pain, Well, let's go to bed for six weeks. Let's reevaluate. Oh, your back's still sore. Okay, go back to bed for another six weeks. Oh, you know what? Mm, Yeah, it's just not working. You're, quote, disabled. We couldn't do anything because it's still sore. We don't put people in bed anymore. We, after surgery, you're up, you're walking around, you're doing things. We know how important movement is. And that's really over the last, let's say uh, 10, 15 years has really been a push with lymphedema about movement and mobility and getting over that fear that exercise may be causative in any way to either increase lymphedema or cause lymphedema and when you look at the studies and I'm, I'm a research-based girl I love research I um, <laughs> you know look at the studies how many people in how did you study where did you look at did you have just subjective indications did you measure how did you measure I love that stuff I mean I sink my teeth into it as a kinesiologist and When I look at that, um, it's funny because I uh, looked at something that was posted just the other day and it was an oncology site and they were quoting about how to work out with lymphedema. They were saying, and, and again, all of the information was great about needing the components in your body of aerobic stretching and strengthening, starting out slowly, of course, wearing your sleeve when you exercise, of course, Um, always watching too for things that may put pressure on your limb, your affected limb or affected area, and watching out for nicks and cuts and keeping skin health, all very important. And this was just posted um, within the past week. But the article they were quoting from was from 2009. So reader beware. And that's what bugs me is that it's a new article, but the um, research is from 2009. So Mm -hmm. when you look at the current research, 2020, 2019, 2018, there is no justification for patients with lymphedema or at risk for lymphedema. And I'm including high risk factors being overweight, being out of shape, not exercising prior to diagnosis. There is no reason and no risk factors not to exercise. And that includes weightlifting. And again, with the precautions, doctor's consent. If you have a sleeve, you're going to wear it. And you start out slowly. You do not look for those endorphins and run to the gym and start (laughs) grabbing, you know, the bar and doing your bench press. You start out with your flexibility and your movement. You start out making sure that you've got flow of your lymphatic system and that includes working the fascia and i don't know did you ever have any treatment tina with um fascial work or uh, fascial stretching at all
0: um, no i had like i was pretty tight and i had to be like stretched out but i'm not sure i don't know I, I don't know all the body parts, (laughs) probably definitely not as well as you. Um, So where exactly is the fascia if someone is like me and not sure where that is?
1: It is everywhere through your body. It is this netting that basically holds the body together. Okay. And what happens when there's decreased flow, or if you're not moving your joints, so let's say your fingers and your wrists and your elbow, because post-surgery you're in that protective state, you're holding your body in a certain position, plus your pecs are tight, your shoulders sore, you're going to be in a position where your hands may not move as much, your wrists are not moving as much, or your elbows. So this fascia that is throughout your body will get tight as well. So even if you work on stretching the muscles, We really want that range of motion in through your fingers and your wrists and your elbows. And I find uh, when I'm going through with my online classes and we're doing, let's say, shoulder mobility exercises. So I'll say, okay, elbows at your side, bring your thumbs up, touch your shoulders, keep your elbows at your side. And I'll watch the positionings. And then I'll say, okay, and now I want your fingers straight and your wrist straight and i'm wondering if you're doing it right now this is...
0: <laughs> i'm stretching my <laughs> wrists i am stretching my wrists yeah like, oh i need to this,
1: but that's what happens your body develops these compensations so we work on um, post-surgery for breast cancer patients with mobility in the shoulder mm-hmm. but if you are compensating if you have found other ways to function because that's it when you're talking about women of resilience and you're talking about fighters and you're talking about getting back to things function is key you need to get out of bed you need to use a washroom you need to you know empty drains you need to you know get dressed so you're looking at function instead of looking at form and that's definitely something that just has to happen you have to eat you have to move um, But when you look at the rehabilitative state, certain things will go by the wayside. And that's where that wrist movement, that's where those finger movements come from. That's where that neck may not move quite as well. And you're really using those upper trap muscles. Like if that neck um, on the side gets really sore, probably because of the compensation, how your body's moving to function but not the way it should. So that's where we look from a lymphedema standpoint in getting all of the mobility we can because every muscle that moves, every joint that stretches pumps lymph and that's what we really want. So that's where the mobility to me is key. You want that range of motion first, then when you proceed to go to the gym, and do your strength training your results are going to be so much better because you've already done so much for your body to get it prepped to be able to do that and the breathing part is so key for lymphedema as well
0: hmm. it
1: is something that's really important and what your listeners might want to do you can actually measure your rib expansion so if you take a measuring tape and bring it across your ch- And you decrease the air in your lungs and then increase it as much as you can. So expand your lungs, you can measure to see do I have half an inch? Do I have an inch? Do I have two inches? And you can see where that's at. So if you're sitting with a two-inch expansion, you're like, great, that's wonderful. Because not only is it your lungs that are expanding, your rib cage has to expand, which means all of those muscles that flow through the chest are going to be moving. And there's a huge flow of lymph through that area in the chest that's vitally important. So when the circulation is decreased, when the lungs aren't expanding properly, not only are you not getting the oxygen you need for those muscles, you're also not getting the pump and the flow of the lymph. So breath work, that would be my key takeaway, is get some breath work. Huh, I wonder if they do that in yoga class. Yes. (laughs) Sis.
0: Yes. <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> yes. And actually, um, I have a, another person who is on my show, Melanie. She's amazing um yoga instructor, but she does such a good job of like incorporating the breath work like in for four counts, hold and then out for four counts. And like I find myself, you know, if I'm in a stressful situation or something, you know, sometimes I take a walk and just do that same breath work and I immediately find myself just calming down. It is it's just very therapeutic, like in general. So I love that. I'm gonna to have to do this measure the rib expansion thing, and see where mm-hmm. I'm at.
1: Yeah, expansion for the ribs, not expanders. We have to yes. make sure that we're not saying a naughty word. This is just to see how the ribs move because, yes, you know, it's a whole other thing of rehab when expanders are in and and stretching and stretching like that too. So, um, again, another thing that just sort of depletes that uh, that mobility and tightens the skin and, and makes it sometimes really hard to take in those breaths and really want to move that area with the airflow. So Mm -hmm. it is important.
0: But I had never heard really the tie between lymphedema and breath work. So that's really interesting that you bring it up. And I think that that's, you know, very encouraging and, you know, something that anyone, any level can do is, you know, to start with the breath and, you know, that's such easy stuff. And then, um, Melanie who is also the yoga also was teaching about you know like the wrists and how much pressure we put on our wrists Especially like as you start yoga like kind of warming them up and that was like something I've never like really done before But obviously I do so much typing at you know With my Mm. desk and so it is kind of nice to like find different stretches based on obviously what kind of positions and things You know that you need stretching to do.
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely and and in this day and age Excuse me, working from home and maybe more keying, more Zoom calls, more sedentary work with just sitting and not voice meetings or not even walking to an office next door to talk to a coworker, the hands, the wrists, the neck positioning um i was uh, requested to and i was happy to write an article on ergonomics specifically for breast cancer survivors and working from home but i also created a video as well it is online if you want to take a look it's oh my gosh yes i need to read <laughs> i need i need to watch <laughs> i'll give you the link you can post it in your show notes but yes it is specific for breast cancer patients and it's the best um stretches when you're working from home and you're in an office that you need to do and it is of course just as we were talking getting in touch with your body and listening it slows you down it makes you be aware and even just that awareness it will take away that frenetic energy it will as you said you know you do your breath work without even thinking now it calms you down and it helps you really focus on your alignment because In the big scheme of things, alignment is really where it's at. So when you're at the computer, it is so important to keep that body alignment. But sometimes it's really difficult for breast cancer survivors because of the issues with tightness or the body just not getting back to exactly where it was or those compensations and things that aren't moving um, with the proper form, but they're still working with function. So survivors can definitely have uh, increased tightness in the pecs, uh, increased tightness in those, sort of the sides of the neck where it goes up into the head and get more headaches. So those are things that really need to be looked at with the proper office setup. So you're decreasing your ri- uh, reaching, you can keep your wrists in a neutral position. It's, uh, it's very important.
0: Well, good. yes, I am going to 100% be reviewing this video. I, I need, I need some help. Um, And, and even just like listening to you talk, you know, I, I do like, I try to get up and move around, you know, I try to move before I sit down, you know, for, before starting my day, but, you know, even just keeping some, you know, little five pound weights and like, you know, taking a break every now and again, I think I could do a lot more obviously and just just to like not sit all the time. Cause it is really hard. And you know, what was supposed to be like a month at home has turned into two months at home is now, I think we're on, you know, three and a half months at home and I'm probably going to be home at least another month. So like, it's, you know, it's, and who knows, you know, like I, I might be home even more than that. So I think a lot of people are finding themselves in similar situations, you know, working from home and maybe not the most, ergonomic ideal situations I had to go I had to go buy another desk um my husband had a desk downstairs and now I had to buy a desk for upstairs so we kind of have our own spaces (laughs) but you know it's it's a challenge I think everyone's you know again back to the resiliency trying to fight through this and trying to you know do the best they can do but now it's kind of settled into like it's more than a little bit temporary it's become a little bit more you know every day I guess I would say Oh,
1: absolutely. And that's where I'm finding more and more questions are coming in. We put up with things when it's a short term issue and we think, yeah, yeah, we'll get through, we'll get through, we'll get through. And then it's like every day you come to that desk and you start loathing that desk and you (laughs) hate that laptop and you want to throw that mouse across the room. And it's like, no, I can't. This is my work. This is what I'm doing. And it gets really difficult when that setup isn't there. And when your productivity definitely suffers because you are already gearing yourself towards knowing it's not going to be good. So if you can go into your office, to your workspace, to whatever area you've set up and use something to make it yours, whether it is um, a vase that you really like and you could put a flower from the garden in there, If it is a beautiful picture of, you know, um, maybe for you and your mom and you've got a nice picture there of her or someone's got their, you know, a picture of their puppy that's sitting there like they would at work. And Mm -hmm. you set it up and make it your office and you have something pleasant there. If you create online, um, let's say a vision board and you can set that up on the wall somewhere, even if you just put it there temporarily while you're working, it's something that just changes your vibration, changes your mindset. And it just gets you a little happier and helps to get you through. So that's my yeah. off topic, non-exercise two
0: cents. No, I love it. And I'm sitting at my desk where I do typically work and I'm looking at the pictures of me and my like two best friends and my goddaughters. Cause like I put that out, like, I think maybe week one or week two, I was like, like this has to feel like my workspace, you know? And then I have like a, a a fake plant. Um, I did put flowers when they were in bloom, you know, on various, various things of the yard. And then I have my, uh, rose from the golden girls, um, magnet here too. So, you know, I have little trinkets and little bits of love (laughs) that, that do help me. And my goddaughter made me a bunch of sunflowers. Um, so rather than, like, so she created them out of, you know, paper and sent them to me. So I have those too. So I have little tokens, I guess, you know, that I do it, but I love the vision board. That sounds like a fun project actually to do. So I'm actually working on like a purpose statement, um, kind of, it's like your leadership and who you want to be is purpose statements, like through work, we're, we're kind of coordinating it. And then we're trying to do like an art project to kind of coincide with it. So maybe I'll hang that up and that'll be my that'll be my artwork. <laughs> there
1: you go. And even for those of us who are not artistic, which I am not at all. I remember when back in the day and I would have clients and I'd be saying, okay, here, let me just draw this little exercise for you. And I'd start to draw it. and I'm like, oh, that is so not going to work. <laughs> and I'd have to buy the little cards and photocopy. I mean, we're talking back in the 90s, right? So <laughs> it wasn't that I could go online and download or send anything. These had to be handouts and I knew I couldn't draw, but the vision boards, I mean, there's so much where you can do online and clip the pictures and and find those things that uh, mean something to you. Um, yeah. Whether it's looking at the forest, it's the, you know, the sunsets or, you know, the, the peaceful waters of the ocean, whatever it is on there. Or as you said, your, your purpose statement, you know, what are we here for and what's what's guiding us. And um, I had my other office, I don't have it sitting here right now, but, I had a big close up picture of my son's eyes. My, my brother is a photographer and he's, Oh, he's just amazing at photography and he's got this close-up, and you just see the little shards of blonde hair coming down and these beautiful brown eyes. And it's a huge, like eight by 10 of just those eyes and the hair. And I would look at that and like, yep, carry on, Marion, carry on. You're good. You keep going. So that was my, that was my purpose statement was that picture from my brother. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, something that just, when you need that, pick me up. Um, I love having the weights there. I love doing the stretches, but I think beyond that is just keeping our vibration high in these mm-hmm. awful times. Um, we need to look for those little, um, th- those things that have meaning and they're small, but they're they're meaningful and it's important. Yeah.
0: And actually I do have my gratitude journal too. And that's usually <gasps> how I start my day. Yeah, it's like a prayer it's like a prayer journal slash gratitude journal. So every day I look like at who I'm praying for and then I look at you know what I'm thankful and then I write in what I'm thankful for for that day you know. So it kind of helps you know set the tone for the day. It makes me realize like there's so many other things out there you know and I, I need to like just start from a place of gratitude. So that has been very helpful. Um, just, just a helpful way to start in these crazy times.
1: That's amazing, yes. I, um, that's a little reminder to me because I've not been doing that <laughs> um, But it, it, it definitely is um, when you can look at that. And I mean, maybe that's something too. I am so blessed when uh, I can go online, I can talk to patients and clients or I can communicate something of service that can help and you know, get the messages back it's, it is, that's my gratitude. I mean, that's just amazing. People you don't even know that will send you something and said, thank you so much. It's really helped. Or, you know, I didn't even think about kneeling and I tried to do it and I couldn't. So now I've got my next exercise and I'm so motivated to try it. Thank you so much. And it's, it's amazing. Um, So if I start with that gratitude journal, that will just put me in such a better place to be able to serve. So Thanks for bringing that up. I'm going to write that down right now.
0: There you go. There you go. And so that kind of leads into the next question or next topic that um, we kind of, you know, did talk about a little bit before this, but you had mentioned becoming a thriver through movement and doing that kind of by empowering your body, mind, and spirit. So we've kind of talked about each of those together, but I'd love to kind of hear your take on like all of those coming all together. So how, how, how do you encourage people to you know, work and move and you know, utilizing their body, their mind, and their spirit?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that it is something that is, um, needs to be embraced in order to get to your best potential and in order to you know, facilitate the recovery that uh, you really want. And, and we need to nourish the body, but we won't want to. We won't care about exercising or eating um, a healthier diet or getting the sleep we need unless our mind is in it. So, the mind is powerful. The mind is what really sets the stage. And that's where the interplay between these three with the mind and the nourishment and the exercise, they play upon each other because. When you start to exercise, and as you said, when you, know, you feel like your body's betrayed you and you're building back that relationship and you're teaching your body that, yeah, you know what, we can do this, we can move, those small little movements, whether it is um, you know, lifting 40 degrees in shoulder flexion, whether it is walking um, 40 feet, whether it is saying I'm going to take four stairs, you know, whatever you set, You accomplish something. So you are able to tell your body what to do. Your body's able to do it. So not only do you have the physical benefit, but you have that mental benefit too. You are in control. You're able to accomplish. You're empowered. And it sets that stage for moving forward and saying, wow, I wonder what else I could do. I bet if I did 40 feet, I could probably do 50 or 60. Oh, but I'm pretty tired. Mm, you know what? Instead of that Mickey D's for dinner, no offense to Mickey D's. I mean, yes, we, we know, but I mean, it may be something where your body's looking for a different type of nourishment, or maybe you need more sleep and you're saying, you know what? I'm not going to binge on Netflix all night. I am going to try and get sleep, or I'm going to make that smoothie in the morning. It starts to feed in a cycle and you basically are on that road in that journey of recovery and each part plays uh, a role and the movement that's why the power of movement to me is not only in getting your body and teaching your body where it can go it's being like just so enthralled with what you can do when you listen and you move well and that's so powerful to me and when I watch people move and I say hey why is that shoulder there? How come that wrist is here? Or did you realize that knee is dropping every time you're trying that squat? And we take those exercises and we correct them and we look for alignment and we set that groundwork. It's something new and different. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know my body was doing that. And it's that learning phase of like, wait, you know what? You can fix it. Well, how how do I fix it? Well, here's this new exercise. Oh, I've accomplished something. I've learned something new, and it's exciting and it's powerful. And that's where I think the mind and the body and the spirit, because they need to play together, they need to play well. And I really do believe it has to start first with, as we said before, the foundations first framework and that mobility, because. I see so many patients that struggle with the, the, let's say the newest mandate with 150 minutes of walking Mm -hmm. or with doing the uh, resistance training and the weight training. They're like, I'm so fatigued. I am so tired. I can barely get dressed and make it to noon without taking a nap. How do they want me to do 30 minutes of walking every day? My calves are cramping Mm, probably because of some sort of hormone treatment. Um, My, Abs aren't working anymore. My neck is sore. My shoulders are killing. And we break each thing down and we say, hey, why? Why is this happening? Let's do an assessment. How are you moving? Oh, yeah, your ankle's not moving very well. If we stretch that out, your calves will feel better. You know what? Your neck's not in alignment, which means you're not swinging your shoulders properly. And that's what's causing your hip pain. So we cycle through the body and we start with little step by step strategies. To empower, and then the next thing you know, from two minutes to five, and five to fifteen, and you know, it it just works so beautifully with um, the spirit of the journey, and that's how I look at it. But it, you really need to start um, where the body needs to start, and that's mobility. And, and I can't stress that enough. That don't go one fifty minutes. Don't go to the gym and think you're going to lift weights until you do the work with rehab and get your body moving properly. So take your time and do it slowly. And everyone's journey is different and you have to listen to your body.
0: Yeah. I love that. And like, I, I just obviously, well, I love moving for, for one, but like, you know, try to do something, you know, like to your point, like you just walk for 20 minutes and then all of a sudden like you're just a happy person. It really is a mood changer. You know, like it is really hard to be an angry person after walking, you know, just walking 20 minutes, like it does definitely change and reset kind of the tone and, you know, just makes you a much, it's like a happy pill, you know, that is so easy to take every, every day. It absolutely is. And I think sometimes it's hard
1: um, to get survivors onto that bus of happiness because of the fatigue mm-hmm. and I know that there's a, a, a big struggle there's a study that was out um was it la- no this is already June um almost July this was in March and they interviewed breast cancer survivors to take a look at the reasons for not exercising and it wasn't a lack of knowledge that knowledge is there and To me, that's so powerful that that message has got out that breast cancer patients on the whole know that exercise is good, but it's the debilitating fatigue and not knowing where to start
0: Hmm.
1: were the two biggest reasons of not exercising and not grabbing those benefits. And one of the biggest benefits is decreased risk of recurrence. I mean, that's mammoth. And I know you've talked with... um, the stage four survivors, and when I look at stage four survivors that I've met and the exercise they put in to keep their body as fit as possible to fight, it is amazing. And that's that stage of saying, you know what, where are we at? Where's that risk of recurrence? What can we do? And exercise is a, is a big part. I mean, up to 50% decreased risk of recurrence with exercise. I mean, that's got to be a little motivating. That's, that's, I pull that out when I need to. And I'm saying, what, we can't walk another lap or we can't, do. yeah, we can, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fatigue that stops that or the overwhelm, and that's the other word that comes out, frustration and overwhelm of trying to say, well, where do I start? What do I do? I mean, these big numbers are in front of me and, and my doctors are just saying, go exercise. And I don't know what to do. Um, that makes it really difficult. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on survivors to say, okay, I know I need to do it. I don't know what to do. So I think as a whole in the healthcare community, we have to do a better job of explaining the fatigue, um, not even in the science-based stuff of what chemo does to the mitochondria, to the muscles and how it really depletes the body, but how to get it back and how to move slowly and how to get the mobility. So, I think that's, that's really important. So the fatigue's a big thing.
0: It is. And thank you for addressing. Cause you know, I'm now almost seven years out, you know, thankfully. And you know, you, you kind of forget some of like the hard things, but it, you know, it takes some time after chemo and then you go on to tamoxifen and other things that mm-hmm. also too can be a big impact. So um, I know you have a lot of online programs. So if, if someone out there is really, really just struggling with where to start you know, your website has so much information and people can reach out to you. And I know you do a lot of online coaching and helping people. So if people are really just like, hey, I'm stuck. I, I know that this is good for me and I just don't know where to start. Um, like you can help, um, you know, to I think you had mentioned filling the gap between the drains and goals. You know, so basically, where do I start, you know, after surgery? after chemo, after all these big things, like where, where can people like take the plunge?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, um, tons of free information on my site, on my YouTube channel, with the videos of the exercises, I have a free Facebook group. So it is private, um, for breast cancer survivors and, uh, women breast cancer survivors and it's a safe place to talk, at Questions about, am I doing this right? We do technique training in there. So that's um, a lot of accessibility for support that way. And I mean, drop me a DM. I mean, hit me up on Instagram or send me a message on Facebook and say, hey, you know what? I don't know. I'm struggling. This hurts and this hurts. And I will say, this is the video you start with. This is the movement you start with. Did you get your doctor's consent first before you start? trying these things. So um, as you know, I mean, you and I have chatted on Instagram and it's um, it's easy, very easy and very open. And uh, for patients and survivors who um, may be a little shy or maybe not on social media, then definitely look at the um, private Facebook group that I have where it is so secure and um, much more open to um, being able to Um, maybe share a little bit more that way. So,
0: Awesome. Well, this whole episode has just been full of tips. (laughs) You're just full of information and full of tips. Um, But I always have, as you know, because I know you're a listener, um, you know, a Tina tip for every episode. So would love to know, you know, if in all your experience with, you know, breast cancer survivors or, you know, just with you and your experience um, in kinesiology, and cancer movement, is there one you know, tip that you would really wanna share or really wanna impart you know, with the listeners?
1: Yes, um, I definitely do know about the Tina tips for sure. <laughs> and I'm thinking back, I mean, we did one of the things I was gonna say about the, the breath work for sure, that would be one. But I think I'm gonna start a little more simple and that is one stretch per day you have got it in you no matter where you're at. I'm going to say for 99% of people to do one stretch. It could be your toes. It could be your ankles. It could be your neck. It could be your wrists. I want you to do one stretch. I want you to hold them for 15 seconds and say, Hey, I did something for my body today. And you check that off. And if you need to put the little check on the calendar to say that you did it, then you did it. You are on your journey to better health and better movement with that one stretch. And if that's all you can muster that day, power to you. You know what? You did it. And that's all I'm looking for. So start there.
0: And I love just your little steps by steps. You know, like it's it is just those little steps. I will, I will try to start calendaring my stretches here. I'm, I am. Yay! Bad. <laughs> I'm bad at that as well. Uh, all right. Well, Marion, it's been amazing. I'd love to know, you know, where can people find you? So, um, you know, you have so much information on your website. Um, would love to, you know, have you share, you know, where the listeners can find you and all your great social media handles and information.
1: Oh, thank you, Tina. I appreciate that. Uh, Marianbarnock.com is my website. It will have links uh, through to everything, including the videos that are there to uh, support the foundational shoulder movements, post-surgery on Instagram. It's at Marianbarnock. And If you go to the Move Well After Breast Cancer, you can put your name on the wait list. I have a new online program that I will be starting. So I'm really excited about it. It's a not just shoulders, but body alignment. So it's working with the things you really talked about with the mindfulness, the breath work and getting the body aligned for patients to move well after breast cancer treatment. So I appreciate that, Tina. Thank you.
0: I love it. And I will definitely link to your um, website in the show notes and you know when I'm also sharing, sharing the, um, this podcast out as well. So Marian, it's been awesome. It like, feels like we've been longtime friends, but now we finally get to kind of quote unquote meet on the airwaves. So thank you so much. It's been awesome.
1: It has been amazing, Tina. Thank you so much for putting me at ease and allowing me to share. And even though you're Michigan State, I say you know what? We'll keep being friends.
0: <laughs> That's right. You're like Michigan, aren't you?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm a go blue girl for sure.
0: <laughs> go green. I got. Hey, I got a green and white mask. I'll I'll wear it just for you when I get it in. So. Um, oh, there I'll, you
1: go. Awesome.
0: <laughs> I'll stay safe and stay green. So, all right. Well, thank you, Marion. It's been awesome. You you you. have an awesome day. Take care. You too. Take care. Be safe. You too. Bye. Bye.